I didn't recognize a single person in the room, but I felt a deep connection to each one, the way you do when a strong emotion sweeps through a crowd of strangers, causing their brain chemicals to line up so precisely their thoughts synchronize. No one had to say it. We were all thinking it. How do we get out of this room? We were in some sort of function room, seated around dozens of small banquet tables. The size of the room was not fathomable. The walls could not be seen. But it didn't matter. Walls, doors, they didn't matter here. You couldn't get out through a door. There was only one way out, one terrible, terrifying way to escape. I knew this at the exact same moment everyone else did. The information appeared seamlessly in our minds, settling itself between one thought and the next. The only way out of this room was to go through the ceiling. Well, fuck. Who would be crazy enough to try that? There was a powerful, malevolent force up there just radiating hateful attention down at us. We all started talking at once, but not really saying anything that would make us stand out. Just trying to be a room full of chattering, boring, ignorable people who were, now that you mention it, happily resigned to being trapped in this room forever. But suddenly, I recognized the words someone at my table was saying. They were mine own words. What? No, shh. A man was reading in an extra loud voice from a scrap of paper. It was something I had written decades ago when I was a storyteller in Harvard Square. I was horrified, but at the same time, my ego kind of perked up. It did feel nice to hear someone reading one of my stories, but it soon became obvious it wasn't a complete story I had written. It was just brief impressions, like when you're describing dreamlets that you can barely remember in your dream journal. He came to the end and everyone at our table looked at me in disappointment. I felt the need to defend myself, so I said, look, when I get on the table, I will always try to be entertaining, but when I write, I write what I write. At that moment, a young woman stepped up onto our table. The room went quiet. We stared at her in surprise, in awe. She was going for it. The woman was dressed in a stiff, high-collared blouse and a long wool skirt that looked vaguely military. She was almost pretty, the way boys can be almost pretty with a small, firm chin and soft, dark curls piled on her head, like those classic Art Nouveau illustrations from the Wizard of Oz books. She looked like her name should be Jenny. She also had a very steampunky leather harness strapped across her chest like a bandolier that was clearly built for levitating. Jenny made some deft adjustment on her harness and looked calmly up at the ceiling. We all did too. This was the first time we had dared. It was very high up. You almost couldn't see the chandeliers hanging from it, but you could feel it. Brr. 
Jenny made a final harness adjustment, her expression unchanging. You got the feeling she did this sort of thing a lot and was always competently prepared and emotionally uninvolved. Jenny was an adventurer, but she was not a romantic. And then she was floating swiftly up, her body horizontal in the air like someone face down in the water, so you could see her expressionless face getting smaller as she rose. I felt so uplifted that one among us dared to escape, and so jealous it wasn't me. Why couldn't I do that? Just before Jenny reached the ceiling, she stretched out her arms like wings and then gracefully raised them up behind her back so that her hands would touch the ceiling first. So clever! The moment her hands made contact, we all felt it go through her. A jolt. It wasn't even a powerful jolt. Just a negligent, effortless little jolt of force. But whatever had been keeping her up, her leather harness or her strong will, instantly deactivated. A look of horrified surprise flashed across her face and she screamed and fell. She fell the way people do in real life, fast, like a video playing in fast forward, or a falling star, almost too fast to track with your eyes, one moment touching the ceiling and then crumpled on the ground. I woke up in my bed with her horrified scream reverberating through my mind and dread flooding through my body. Curse you, fear! Must you always be the boss of me? Welcome imaginary listeners and any non-imaginary listeners or Nannies, as the imaginaries like to call you while making air quotes with their little imaginary fingers, like I can't see you guys. Welcome to the fifth episode of Lucid or Bust, the podcast about a dreamer, me, who had a dream to become a lucid dreamer, did it. So why aren't I living happily ever after, imaginary listeners? Why am I feeling so discouraged? Because my lucid dreams suck. Okay, that dream I just described, as scary as it was, at least it was vibrant and interesting. I've only had two more lucid dreams since last time, and in the last one, I was flowling across the street half blind. Yeah, flawling. I had to make up a word. Forget flying around in my dreams. I couldn't even stand up. I became weakly lucid to find myself floating face down a few inches above the ground, and the only way to make any forward progress was to drag myself along by pawing the ground like a dog while viewing my surroundings in a foggy tunnel vision. Very stressful since I was dragging myself across a busy intersection in Boston. Fortunately, I somehow knew that if I made a banishing gesture at each oncoming car and yelled, Fly! It had to screech to a halt just before it hit me. Well, thank goodness for small lucid favors. Oh, and did I mention I was depressed? Yes, 
I was flawling myself over concrete and trolley tracks, feeling depressed and thinking, lucidly, this is what I've been putting all that effort in for? Where's the psychedelic super-realism all those lucid-dreaming savants keep bragging about? Where's the intense joy? Where's the sailboats? Man, lucid-dreaming is a rip-off! Well, mostly. There was this one moment in the other lucid dream I had, a dream induced by four milligrams of galantamine with a choline salt chaser, where I was walking along the hallway of my old high school when I came upon a skateboard. I'd never skateboarded before, but I thought I might like to try. I could sense the owner of the skateboard, a teenage boy, hovering behind me, glowering possessively, but suddenly I had a thought. Hey, my dream, my skateboard, and I hopped on. I started to lose my balance immediately, but then I thought I wouldn't, and I didn't. I wasn't sure exactly how to use a skateboard, but then I thought simply will it to roll forward, and it did. Cool. As I rolled along the hallway, I passed an office with glass walls, very institutional looking. There was a doctor inside. I mean, I could tell he was a doctor because he was dressed like someone in a 1950s Dr. Halloween costume. The white lab coat, the stethoscope hanging around his neck, the headband with that weird round mirror on it. Seriously? Suddenly, all the lights in the hallway began flashing on and off urgently, and he ran out into the hall, shouting at me, Don't you know what's happening out there? You OD'd on galantamine, and your body is being taken into the emergency room right now. You could be dying. What? Fuck! What do I do? I thought. I know. I better wake up. But then, another thought occurred to me. A lucid thought. But didn't I take four milligrams of galantamine, which is less than the seven milligrams I took last week? So how could I be ODing if I took less? <gasps> Busted, you dream character you, trying to trick me into waking up. Ooh, those dream characters can be tricky. You really have to be on your toes around them. Riding on that skateboard was quite something, but the coolest part of the dream was the fact that I could reason and do math in it. I actually referenced information from my waking life and used it to stay in the dream. It was only for about five seconds. I lost lucidity pretty quickly after that, but it was the most lucid moment I've had so far. Although, for me, Prodigal D, in case I forgot to introduce myself, hello, that lucid bar has been set pretty low. Oh, but let me catch you up on what I've been up to, imaginary listeners. Let me share with you a medley of lucid fails. So, after those first few rounds of galantamine, it flat out stopped working. No matter how long I waited between doses, a good galantamine night was, I had a non-lucid dream, which I mostly remembered. A bad one was, just a lying in my bed, 
trying not to stress about time, tick, tick, ticking away, and run, run, running out, while I unsuccessfully tried to fall asleep after a wake back to bed. The last time I tried, I finally fell asleep around 5.30 in the morning, and I had a false awakening where I hopped out of bed and realized I'd been sleeping with all my clothes on. For some reason, it made sense for me to yank them off and go right into my studio and get to work. I mean, no breakfast, no coffee, no clothes. But did I notice that was weird? Nope. Just business as usual in my little life, apparently. Then. I looked out my studio window and I saw my Easy Up canopy suspended in the air right outside the window. Did I think that was weird? Nope, not even a blip on my reality check-o-meter. Suddenly, a gust of wind grabbed the canopy and it took off, and the window view followed it, panning across the sky like a camera view. Well, finally, I had a reaction. I burst out laughing. That's almost like something that would happen if I were dreaming, I thought. Ha! Maybe I should grab my nose and do a reality check. Yeah, right. I mean, I know I'm supposed to be vigilant, but come on. I'm standing buck naked in my studio, watching the view from my window track across the sky like a scene from E.T. I mean, if that doesn't scream waking reality, I don't know what does. And then I woke up to what I was starting to think of as my galantamine hangover, a combination of mild nausea and heavy disappointment. So I decided to back off from galantamine for a bit and try some of the other techniques that I had queued up in my Lucid Trigger playlist. The first one was giving Cal-Z another try. Cal-Z is the pronounceable abbreviation of a Mexican plant called Calia Zacatec. <laughs> which, interestingly enough, is the sound you make when you try to drink it as a tea. According to the latest lucid dream lore, Calzi is supposed to give you intense, vibrant dreams, sometimes even lucid dreams, but without any side effects. I had already tried Calzi as a tincture, which I bought on eBay, but it didn't do anything for me. I mean, not even hypnagogic imagery. But I'd done a bit more research, okay, Googling, and I learned that the traditional way to ingest Cal-Z is to brew the leaves into a strong tea. There were conflicting reports about how effective even the tea was. Some people claimed it worked, and most people reported that it didn't, but everyone agreed on how it tasted. Apparently, Cal-Z tea was so bitter that some folks couldn't even get it down. People would write things like, I'd read about how bad it was, but I didn't believe it until I tried it. Oh my God, this tea is bitter, vile, disgusting, made me want to gag, made me want to vomit for 10 minutes. Nothing in the world tastes as bad as this. Really? Nothing? Well, now I had to try it. I mean, anything that tasted that bad had to do something for you, right? 
Maybe it would give me a nightmare that I could parlay into a lucid dream. So desperate. So after much Googling about the internet, I found an online shop that sold Calzy leaves. Well, I found two online shops, but the first one had shut down because the owner was facing charges for drug trafficking. Hmm, not in Kansas. When my leaves arrived, the first thing I did was go back online and check them against a picture of Cal Z leaves because I'd also read there was a lot of fake Cal Z floating around. And they did look like the picture, only the picture showed whole leaves with lots of tiny pale flowers, also whole. But what I had was mostly small pieces of crushed up leaves and a few measly flower buds. It kind of looked like they'd scooped it up from the bottom of the calzy barrel. But I boiled them into a tea and gave it a try. When I'd first opened up the bag, I was surprised that the leaves were actually quite fragrant. And as they boiled, they gave off a scent like linden leaves, which I often use to make a lovely, delicate tea. And that's where the resemblance ended. On my first sip, at three in the morning, when else, my eyes started watering and I thought, there are no words. Then I took another sip and there were words, and those words were pretty fucking bitter. But the interesting thing about the tea was, the more I drank, the less worse it tasted. I think the reason it was so hard to drink wasn't its bitter taste. It was the panic messages coming from the alarm system built into my taste buds, which thousands of years of evolution had honed to alert me when anything bitter enough to poison me tried to get past them. But as I kept sipping it without dying, my taste buds dialed down to DEFCON 5. In fact, about halfway through the cup, I even started thinking. You know, on a really hot day, over ice, this could be almost refreshing. Then I hit the dregs at the bottom. Nope. Only for a lucid dream would I willingly drink this swill. But I did not get a lucid dream from the tea, or any dream. Just another night of oblivion, followed by a vague sense that I'd been up to something with someone, somewhere, wherever lost dream memories go. I did try the tea for several nights in a row because I read somewhere that it needed to build up in your system to become effective, but nope, nothing. So next, I decided to give brain entrainment a whirl. Now, I'd already tried listening to binaural beats, no imaginary listeners, they are not a klezmer band comprised of hipster neurologists. Binaural beats are two different tones, close in frequency, played simultaneously, one in each ear. That causes your brain to create an illusionary in-between frequency, sort of like the persistence of vision that happens when you watch animation with a low frame rate and, instead of seeing blank spaces in the action, your brain fills in the missing frames and so you perceive fluid motion. Brains, they really don't get enough credit. 
An interesting fact is binaural beats were first discovered by a Prussian meteorologist named Heinrich Wilhelm Dove, which would make an awesome name for a klezmer band. Whatever. They didn't give me any lucid dreams, although I have found them helpful in chilling me out enough to meditate. But I had learned via my Googling expeditions that there was another, better form of brain entrainment called isochronic tones. You listen to a single tone pulsing on and off, and depending on the frequency of the tone, the contrast between that pulse of sound and silence causes different effects in your brain, like relaxation or concentration or lucid dreams. There were several positive reviews of these tones floating around the lucid dreamosphere and many places online where you could find them, although one reviewer cautioned against using those free isochronic tones downloaded from YouTube because they might be inferior tones. Better to pay for your tones and get quality. Another reviewer's blog post read like a commercial for an online store that sold those tones, which seemed fishy, but he made them sound so plausible, so possible. Could that store be a legitimate business? Could they sell me the key to a lucid dream? So I downloaded their mobile app and I checked out their wares. And I found myself looking at a field of beautiful icons, an entire huge catalog of in-app purchases, each one a different isochronic tone that had been created to help you achieve your every desire that you could purchase and download for $12.99 each. And right there at the top of the catalog page, was one for lucid dreaming, right there, right in between chakra opening and astral projection, and above aura viewing and automatic writing, past life regression and telepathy. The icon for that one showed two people facing each other with a zigzaggy line, like an EEG squiggle connecting their foreheads, in case you didn't know what telepathy was. If you ever needed an answer to the question, is this a legitimate business? The fact that they were selling an app for telepathy is all the answer you're ever going to need, right? Okay, the default setting on my brain is I'm a gullible, magical thinker. So I've trained myself to view the world more cynically to compensate for that. But I also know you can take that too far. Cynicism can become its own form of lazy thinking if you use it as a replacement for thoughtful observation instead of as a tool for it. But an in-app purchase for telepathy? I mean, if there ever really was such a thing, it would be breaking news, right? The newscaster wouldn't even wait for the weather guy to finish his segment. He'd just jump himself in front of the weather map, shove the guy out of the way, and shout, Hey, everybody, guess what? Someone just invented an app for telepathy. Oh, I know you all don't believe me, but do you know how I know? That's right. I'm using the app right now. I just bought it as an in-app purchase for $12.99. Whoa! 
that's so weird. As soon as I said that, everyone watching our show started thinking the exact same thing I'm thinking. $12.99 is kind of pricey for telepathy. Yeah, I was thinking maybe $3.99 for like the basic app, you know, where you could listen in on just one person's thoughts. And then if you wanted to upgrade to the pro version for another $1.99, you could unlock unlimited telepathy and listen to everyone at once. Seriously. You know the way they would really get you with that app? I mean, if it was for real? Okay, after using it for about a week, when you realized you really didn't want to know what everyone was really thinking about you 24-7, and you tried to turn it off, that's when they'd go, oh, you want to turn off telepathy now? Well, you're going to need to buy another app for that, and that one's going to run you 500 bucks. Anyway, I think technically I already am telepathic. I mean, I'm always hearing my own thoughts. Although, maybe I can't hear all of them. I could be missing the best ones. I better get that app. Well, I did try isochronic tones, not for $12.99. It turned out I could get them through the My Noise sound generator I already owned. So I tried them and also a few of those free, low-quality downloads from the internet. But just like binaural beats, the low-frequency ones were very relaxing, and the higher-frequency ones gave me a headache, but nothing gave me a lucid dream. So here I am, and I've been thinking. I've been surfing the lucid dreaming subreddit, and I'm starting to notice that I'm not the only confused and discouraged lucid dreamer wannabe out there who is suffering from Ild fatigue. I saw a post from someone whose Reddit name was something like I can't lucid and another one from someone who'd been trying for nine years. And I'm starting to get the feeling the lucid dreaming community has been living in two worlds at once. No imaginary listeners, not waking and dreaming. We've been living the myth of lucid dreaming and the reality of lucid dreaming. Let's say you stumble across lucid dreaming by reading a book or a blog or watching a YouTube video, or maybe you saw an app, whichever, and you get pitched the myth of lucid dreaming, which sounds something like this. Say, did you know you spend one third of your life asleep and you spend almost half of that time dreaming? but you walk through your dreams in a clueless fog and then forget them? What a waste! If only you had been lucid dreaming, you could have been partying on Mars with the cast of Hamilton, healing your chronic toe fungus, and reintegrating the shattered fragments of your very soul. What, you cry? I've been missing out. You sure have, loser, and that's not even half of it. All throughout history, lucid dreamers have used their dreams to make amazing discoveries. Paul McCartney, ever hear of him? 
He wrote a hit song in a lucid dream and made a ton of money. And that guy who invented Google, I forget his name, but it's not Jack Dorsey. That's the Twitter guy. Anyway, he invented Google in a lucid dream. And a bazillion years ago, God had just finished creating the earth and all the plants and animals, but was feeling like there was still something missing. Let's see, said God. I got penguins, I got dinosaurs, I got bananas, but it still feels like this planet needs one more thing to really get it rolling. But I'm stumped. Then God had an idea. Hmm, said God. Maybe I could find a creative solution to this problem in a lucid dream. So God fell asleep and had a dream where he saw an entire race of two-legged creatures using their opposable thumbs to play Ms. Pac-Man. That's right. God came up with the idea for the human race in a lucid dream. Okay, you cry. I'm in. How do I lucid? It's super easy. All you have to do is learn these time-tested IELD methods that totally work for everyone else in the lucid dreaming community, like mild or dialed or wild. IELD, you ask? Induced lucid dream, stupid. Basically, anything that rhymes with IELD will get you a lucid dream, like siled or filed or <sighs> child. That's a sneeze-induced lucid dream. Just sprinkle a few pounds of black pepper on your pillow before you go to bed, and you'll be sneezing your way to a lucid dream in no time. So you buckle down and start reality checking and dream journaling, and you devote all your spare time to these IELD techniques, waiting for that moment, any day now or night now, when a mysterious switch will turn on in your brain and you will instantly start having high resolution lucid dreams whose content you can control like your dreaming brain has morphed into a new cable channel that you've just subscribed to. But weeks go by and then months and you don't have any lucid dreams. Or maybe for like three seconds, you kind of had a foggy moment there of semi-awareness just before you woke up and you think, was that a lucid dream? But other than that, nothing. But those techniques work for everyone else in the lucid dreaming community. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. The lucid dreaming community has become a self editing community in the most Darwinian sense, survival of the lucidest. Now I confess, I don't have hard numbers here, but it seems like a significant percentage of people who try lucid dreaming have little or no success and give up. They edit themselves out of the community. So over the years and decades, the lucid dreaming community has become comprised of people who can successfully, or at least occasionally, achieve lucid dreams using those traditional IELD techniques, which makes those techniques seem pretty effective, kind of like a clinical trial for a pill that makes you love pizza more than grapefruit. Wow, all the participants chose the pizza. Success! 
But if you zoomed out the definition of the lucid dreaming community, if you made it bigger than its current participating members, if you included everyone who has ever had a desire in their heart to become a lucid dreamer, even if they bought a copy of Stephen LaBerge's book 10 years ago, tried it for a few months and gave up, then you get the reality of lucid dreaming. And the reality is those aisle techniques suck. I repeat, for lucid dreamer wannabes, they totally suck. And for a large portion of lucid dreamers who put in tons of effort and still only occasionally lucid dream, they mostly suck. Or me and all the other wannabes suck at becoming lucid dreamers using those techniques. Either way, is it really that surprising? These techniques were created by lucid dream savants and honed by people with a natural talent for lucid dreaming until they fit their brain chemistry hand in glove. But for people who aren't born that way already, they really do suck. Okay, please believe me, I am truly grateful for the pioneers like Stephen LeBurge, who have worked so hard at putting lucid dreaming on the map and developing these techniques. But that is the lucid dreaming community that I see, a vibrant, exciting community that is continuously expanding while simultaneously shrinking. And people wonder why lucid dreaming isn't getting more traction in the mainstream. Now, if you happen to be listening to this and you are someone who has had little or no success at lucid dreaming, perhaps your heart just sank to the pit of your stomach. Oh no, you think, my worst fears realized I'm one of those people who just can't lucid dream. If that is the case, immediately put down your coffee, reach your hand down into your stomach, and hoist your heart up high. Because I want to tell you what I wish I could tell my 20-year younger self if I only had a time machine. I mean, besides buy property in Somerville while it's still Slummerville, and don't get your hopes up too much about the Phantom Menace. Anyway, here's the advice. Don't give up. Why? I will tell you. First of all, there is a difference between hard and impossible. It's all a matter of proper perspective. 20 years ago, I made a concentrated effort to become a lucid dreamer. Exploring the world of lucid dreaming by Stephen LeBurge was my Bible. It had all the information I needed, right? Wrong. It was missing one very important bit of lucid dreaming intel. And this is it. Lucid dreaming is fucking hard. It can take months of effort before you get even a little bit of traction. But how would I have known that back then? There was no internet community of lucid dreamers, no forums or subreddits. The only lucid dreamers I'd ever heard of were lucid dream savants. People who, on their first or second try, went from zero to 60 and started logging mind-blowing lucid dreams that changed their life. So, 
after trying for a month with no success, I just assumed there was something wrong with my brain and I gave up. If only I had known to keep trying when I was in my 30s and my brain was sharper. Now I'm in my 50s and my short-term memory is so bad and I hate to confess this, but it's true. Sometimes I reach for things and by the time my arm stretches out to its full extension, I've forgotten what I was doing. I'll look up and I'll see my hand and I'll think, what's it doing all the way out there? Is there a cookie? Which brings me back to you. If you are interested in lucid dreaming, chances are you're between the ages of 13 and 33, maybe a little younger, maybe even a decade older, but the point is your brain still has a lot of game. Your brain is in its prime. Impulse control is trending up and memory is still at at least 75% capacity. Dude, it's now. Now is your best shot to become a lucid dreamer. Don't blow it because of marketing-induced unrealistic expectations. Step away from those lucid dreaming books that always use those rare examples of the people who heard about lucid dreaming once and instantly had a panoramic lucid dream that cured their baldness or who only needed to hear one tip about dream journaling to develop photographic dream recall overnight. Don't compare yourself to them. Compare yourself to me. I'm here to make you look good, man, because if I can make progress, you can make progress. And unless you were dropped on your head as a child repeatedly, your progress is going to be way the fuck better than my progress. And I've had four lucid dreams so far, and one of them was 20 minutes long. And my brain is slowly changing, asleep and awake. Meditation is starting to feel like more than just a boring waste of time. And in my non-lucid dreams, I'm starting to realize I can drive the action a little. The best move I ever made was to think of becoming a lucid dreamer as a process, not an event, as a one-year journey that's bound to have setbacks and small achievements, but those add up. Okay, I'm not anywhere near where I want to be yet, but when I think about how far I've come in these past four months, hey, I've become a lucid dreamer. And if I can do it... Well, imaginary listeners, once again, I have come to the end of a podcast. I can't believe I've made it through five of them. How can I possibly thank you enough for your awesome imaginary attention? If it wasn't for you guys, I couldn't do this podcast. And if it wasn't for the podcast, I truly would have given up by now. And if there are any non-imaginary listeners out there, well, hopefully you've enjoyed listening too. Although, in a more likely scenario, 
In your haste to grab your iPhone and shut off my podcast, you failed to notice a giant mutant spider sneaking up behind you until it had sunk its fangs into you, immobilizing you with its poison. And as the spider stared at you, patiently waiting for your limbs to stop jerking so it could begin to feast, you stared back and willed it with your eyes to hurry up and drain your blood so you wouldn't have to keep listening to my voice going on and on and on. Well, if that was the case, the news isn't all bad. My podcast just got banned in the bardo. So, until next time, whether I'm sending myself telepathic messages or boogieing down to some boss binaural beats, I'm still lucid or bust.